0: Girl, kill her, and pitch her body into the South Anna River to be ravaged by the birds and rats and why, in the name of Christ, would he cut her head off when the Richmond City cops finally got there, I was chagrined to see, in the fading light, that Gillespie was one of the four who'd finally found the crime scene. He'd had it infamy since I tried to get his fat ass fired for causing a completely avoidable suicide in my presence the year before. They didn't fire him, just suspended him, with pay at that, for three months. And now, whenever our paths crossed, there was shit to take. Black, he said, his lip curling into a sneer. I better not hear that you've been tampering with evidence. Now get the fuck out of here. This is a crime scene. I congratulated him on finally finding it and asked if he had any more comments for me to pass on to our readers. He blanched and then said, You wouldn't dare. One of the other cops looked familiar. When he passed in front of the squad car's lights, I was sure. I called out. David Jr. David Shiflet looked at me for a couple of seconds. When he saw who it was, I had the feeling he wasn't that pleased to see me. Willie, he said, not even trying to smile. Willie Black. Hey, he'll reunion all. He'd been a menacing presence as an older boy in Oregon Hill long ago, and the menace was still there, either sent out by him or imagined by me. He's still on the Hill. I see him from a distance sometimes when I'm visiting Peggy, but I haven't spoken to him in years. I told him not to let Gillespie eat all the donuts, and Gillespie threatened to have me arrested if I didn't, right damn now, get behind the crime scene tape they still were putting up. Back of the paper, I told them that no, I didn't take the damn idiot camera, that our readers would have to be content with words this time. Jackson was not pleased, not because he cared much for photojournalism either, but because he knew the new managing editor did. I told Jackson what we were dealing with, but I didn't really want to talk about what I'd seen. Somebody might try to turn it into some kind of dark humor, and I might have to hit them. I went to get some coffee, only to discover that. As was usually the case, some considerate individual had emptied the pot and hadn't started a fresh one. I was waiting for the new one to brew when one of our Sarahs came in. This one actually is named Sarah. Sarah Goodnight, University of Virginia, class of 08. We generally have two kinds of people in our newsroom. We have the old farts, like me, mostly male, trying to hang on to our sorry-ass jobs in a dying industry and a tanking economy. And you have the Sarahs. They're mostly women. They're young, they're talented, they're motivated, and they're very politely, very respectfully waiting for us to get the fuck out of the way so they can get our jobs, which they'll do just as well for about half the salary. If we don't get out of the way, they go to law school, which many of them do anyhow. Still, no hard feelings. Hell, I was young ones. Really? Besides, one of them might be my boss someday. She adjusted one of her spaghetti straps and asked me about the body. I poured her a cup, then one for myself, and told her the basic gory details. Oh, my God, she said. Her head? He cut her head off? He, she, somebody. She'd gone to a couple of homicides with me, just for the experience, and she didn't flinch or go all girly about seeing her first dirt nap, but I could tell this shook her a little. We went back into the newsroom. Sarah led the way, and I tried to keep my eyes straight ahead, torn between the urge to advise her to dress more professionally and the desire to hit on her. As is, I am proud to say, almost always the case, I took the safe middle ground. It didn't take long for a story like that to pass through the newsroom. I tried to tell as little as possible. After half an hour, I had to get up and go down to the ground floor and out into the courtyard where smoking is permitted. During the day, it's kind of sad to be there, with all the others pretending to be mavericks instead of addicts. At night, when the ad salesmen and bean counters are gone home, it's kind of peaceful. I tried Andy's cell number, but I didn't leave a message. I'd left one the last time I called. Didn't want to seem desperate. Sally Velez was waiting when I came back in. She pulled me into one of our phone booth conference rooms, looking quite serious. Sally's 40.